Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Welcome back. 233, Rob Breckenridge with you here, News Talk 770. Angela, Angela what's her name? Angela. Angela Cocott. Uh, is in after 3 o'clock with Calgary today. And don't forget, Angela Cocott will be on the road tomorrow with Global News. They'll be down at Ronald McDonald House at the Alberta Children's Hospital from 3 to 6.30. And also, don't forget, tomorrow, I know I won't forget, because I'm excited for this, Chris Hatfield, the astronaut, will be in studio with us tomorrow. He's got a new children's book out. I think, I hope, he's going to blow the lid off all the aliens that he encountered secretly while in space, but... We'll see. Anyway, looking forward to that. Chris Hanfield on the program tomorrow. It's a little ironic here, a bit of a coincidence, uh, that we're just talking about Canada's prostitution law. It was Section 7 of the Charter that the court found that uh, the previous laws should be struck down. It was also Section 7 of the Charter that the Supreme Court used to strike down the prohibition on assisted dying. Now, there are some advocates for the terminally ill who say if they have the right to die... They should have the right to try. There's a group called Right to Try. And it wants a law that would allow those with terminal illness to try drugs, try treatments that are still in the development phase, to be able to try unproven and maybe still experimental treatments. And I mean, on the surface, the argument seems compelling, right? What do these people have to lose? They're terminally ill. They're going to die anyway. But if you take a step back, there certainly seem to be some pitfalls, though, in having the system approve access to that which is unproven. And does it prove to be as well a problem for the drug companies to be providing drugs to patients when those drugs haven't yet gone through the approval process? So there would seem to be some ethical pitfalls here. Joining us uh, to sort it all out, pleased to welcome to the program, Timothy Caulfield, who is Canada Research Chair in Health Law and Policy, also a Trudeau Fellow and Professor in the Faculty of Law and School of Public Health, and he's also Research Director of the Health Law Institute. All of this up there at the University of Alberta. Tim, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Rob. Uh, This this is the first I've heard of right to try. Uh, This is a a new concept to me. I've just been seeing these stories in recent days, but does does this exist, uh, exist elsewhere? Yeah, it's actually a very common phenomenon uh, in other jurisdictions, particularly in the United States. Uh, And when I say it's a common phenomenon, I think it's fair to say it's really gained steam uh, over the last uh, last couple of years. And and to be honest with you, a lot of it is around the idea of stem cell therapies, that there are these, you know, uh, emerging effective stem cell therapies that are being held up by, you know, regulatory oversight by the regulatory bureaucracy uh, and and patients want want access and in fact in many states in the US they've actually passed laws uh, that you know that sort of codify this right to a uh, right to try concept now whether those laws are actually legal or powerful is another question because in the US as here it's a federal jurisdiction but nevertheless the the concept has definitely gained steam 
uh, in the U.S. And I've been at you know several events where this was the topic of discussion. The whole conference was focused on uh, this concept of right to try. Right. And as I said in the introduction on the surface, right, the, you know, the argument of what do these people have to lose seems compelling. But actually, in practice, this would seem to be problematic. What, what are the issues it raises for you? Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think one of the one of the things that's interesting about it is it does seem so compelling on the surface, right? It does seem almost like a no-brainer. Why not let these people try, right? Why not give them access, especially if they have nothing else to lose? Perhaps, you know, there, there are no available treatments. Well, there's a whole bunch of problems associated with this. First of all, um, it, it, there's this sort of assumption what's underlying this entire push, particularly when you're talking about stem cells, is the assumption that there are effective treatments out there that are being held up by the FDA, by Health Canada. And that's really not the case. You know, there's a lot of really exciting research going on, um, but the science isn't really there yet. And one of the problems, of course, is that if you allow this, these therapies, these drugs to get on market, it creates patient expectation. Uh, it creates um, a, uh, a sort of an environment where in the future it might become more difficult to take them off market. Um, and the other thing is, I think it's really important to, to recognize that, you know, I'm not aware of any therapy that is at that stage, right? Uh, and if you look at the history of cancer treatments, you look at the history of treatments for ALS, et cetera, you know, we're not talking about some breakthrough therapy that is being withheld. Right. I mean, look, there are instances, as I understand it, where drug companies are, are doing trials and they're, they're looking for patients to be a part of those trials. And sometimes then there's an opportunity uh, for people who are suffering from, from a disease, uh, even suffering from cancer, to be a part of this trial, which is part of the process of approving these drugs. But, I mean, that, that process exists for a reason. There, there seems to be, I think, some, some danger in short-circuiting that. Yeah, um, that's a really good point. I, I think that that's the other, other element that I find interesting is there's this assumption that these hurdles, including clinical trials, are bureaucratic hurdles. And in fact, they're not. They are they're scientific hurdles. And I don't even think we should call them hurdles. They're part of the scientific process, right? Doing good clinical trials to find out what works and what doesn't work. Um, and if you short circuit that, you also hurt the legitimacy of the science in a given area. So I think that's also problematic. Uh, in, in Japan, for example, They've actually put forward a policy that allows, in the context of stem cells, uh, that allows you to go from phase one. So this is sort of like your more basic research right to, to the clinic, uh, skipping sort of phase two and phase three clinical trials. And, you know, that has drawn a lot of criticism um, because the concern is you're not going to be able to do good science. You're not going to be able to get the data that will eventually be able to show whether something is effective are, uh, are not you know doing post-market trials of, of this the drug is on the market and you're trying to see if it's safe and effective you get is much different from doing it in a rigorously controlled randomized controlled trial now this has come up before um and I, and I remember a few years ago there there was a lot of publicity around the so-called liberation treatment for ms and there were canadians going abroad and, and getting this surgery there was pressure on on healthcare systems to to cover the cost of this surgery uh, and, and that's quieted down because I think more or less this, this theory has been discredited. But, I mean, that, that shows, I think, the pitfalls of, of rushing into this, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it, I think it's a great example because, you know, by the way, uh, Rob, that was very much a Canadian phenomenon, which is interesting in itself, right? If it was a scientific phenomenon, you'd think it would spread around the globe, right? Mm -hmm. But it was very much a Canadian phenomenon. Yes, we have very high rates of MS here, and that's part of the story. Um, but I think it was also, you know, our you know, pop culture here really grabbed onto this and it, and it generated 
patient expectation, desire for access, and and policy, right? Policy advocacy for, again, sort of short-circuiting the, the usual steps, the usual scientific process in order to allow access. And so it's a really good example of sort of creating false expectations, creating a desire for access, short-circuiting the, the usual scientific process, uh, and really just creating a bunch of noise that ultimately was not constructive. But it does point out that there's only so much we can control. If somebody has the means to go abroad uh, and seek some kind of experimental or unproven treatment, there's not much we can do about it. Yeah, you know, that's right. And and that's also happening in this context. What what some clinics will do around the world is they'll kind they'll leverage this idea, right? This this whole idea of right to try. And you can even see this on websites. We've done research around this where they'll kind of claim, look, you can't get this allegedly effective treatment in your jurisdiction because of your bureaucracy come to our jurisdiction where we'll let you get it. And, um, you know, I think that's another problem of this this entire debate, right? Because, you know, again, stem cells are the area I know uh, them closest to in this context. And the real, those effective therapies aren't, don't really exist, but, you know, they can market uh, using um, pseudoscience to some degree and using this kind of deep patient expectation to sell unproven therapies. So in the meantime, um, we, we should be careful about this is what you're saying. I mean, if, if there are ways of speeding up our, our process, if there are, if we want to take a look at it and we can find some unnecessary delays, maybe we should address that. But as it seems right now, right, we have a process in place for a reason. There need to be safeguards for a reason that the system doesn't really seem broken in that sense. Yeah, I I work with the, you know I'm very fortunate I get to work with a lot of great stem cell researchers in Canada and we are one of the you know we're doing great work here and every scientist that I work with wants to get this stuff to the clinic as fast as possible you know no one's trying to withhold this there is no conspiracy with big pharma or something like that which I also hear yeah. uh, everyone wants to get this to the clinic as fast as possible you know they've dedicated their lives to it. Um, in addition to that, I, I, you know, I have the opportunity to work with people at Health Canada, and they feel the same way. Um, I do think that there are things that we can tweak in the system to make it more efficient, and we should do that. We should look at how we can get these things to the market quickly, efficiently, and, and with the least amount of resources. Um, but right now, right now, people shouldn't panic. I don't think that we have a lot of things. You know, there's not some kind of bottleneck where there's a whole bunch of effective therapies that are being held up by the system. We're not there yet. But I do think we should always look to be two ways that we can make the system as efficient as possible. Indeed. All right, well said, Tim. Uh, thanks for the insight here. Appreciate you making some time for us here today. Great. Thanks a lot, Rob. All right, take care. That's Timothy Caulfield. He is Canada Research Chair in Health Law and Policy at the University of Alberta, also Research Director at the Health Law Institute. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. I'll close out here with some time for your calls and your tax. certainly your thoughts on, on this concept of right to try. Uh, do we need this on the books? Do we need some kind of law? And how does that work in practice? Are we going to force drug companies as they're going through these phases? They want to make sure they're crossing their I's and dotting their T's for putting a drug to market. Can we really force them to say, yeah, you know, look, realize you guys are only about halfway through all those trials, but you need to hand that over because this patient here wants to, to try it. Seems problematic to me. Anyway, we're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.